Good morning. It's really, really lovely to be here with you. Um, I'm really grateful you prayed for my uh, my accident-prone cyclist husband, who apparently has already had a crash. But he's okay. He's fine. He'll just uh, have a lot of excuses to moan when he gets home, <laughs> looking for lots of sympathy. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking, thinking about um, dealing with disappointment this morning. Um, we all experience disappointments. I'm going to be telling you about quite a lot of disappointments that have happened in my own life. Um, every time we feel disappointed in our, in our lives or uh, possibly with God, um, every time that we feel disappointed, it's a bit different. It's different for different people. And sometimes we can feel disappointed momentarily and it passes. And sometimes the disappointment can go quite a lot deeper. Um, sometimes there's a really quick and easy answer to why you might have felt disappointed. Um, my husband, Mark, uh, is a bit, he's a little bit scatty. Um, he's a bit accident prone as well. Um, and he's a barrister and he applied for an, an accreditation that would get him uh, uh, access to a whole load of better work, better paid work, so <laughs> where he could essentially stay at home more and work from home. Um, and he was really excited about getting this accreditation, but uh, he didn't get it. Um, because somebody didn't submit a reference for him. And he was really upset by this. He was really disappointed. We prayed. Um, he really felt positive about it. Uh, and he was like, Lord, like, why, would I, why would I not get this just because someone didn't submit a reference for me? That's really disappointing. Um, he later found out that his application wasn't very good. And it wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have got the accreditation even if that person had submitted a reference for him. Um, uh, but because his application was sort of void because of this reference, he was able to apply again for the accreditation three months later instead of three years later, which would have been the case if he had submitted it and not got it. Um, so that was a really easy win. We were able to look ahead three months later. He got the accreditation. Um, he applied again, and it was really good. We were really happy. We could see that God was in control. We could see that God was sovereign. We could see that that first disappointment was very quickly superseded by the, um, the rejoicing and the joy that came from knowing that God had been in that situation and, and had his hand on, on Mark's work, which was really good. Um, there are some situations where the answer doesn't come as quickly. Um, they're more difficult to reconcile. Um, let's see if this works. Here's a picture of my really, really good friends. Uh, we've been praying for them out in Africa for about nearly six years. Um, I can't tell you their names because they are already experiencing persecution because of their faith. Um, we prayed and fasted for them uh, that they would be able to buy a piece of land and they would be able to uh, build their house and settle <clears throat> and, uh, and establish themselves in the area where they felt God had called them to be. Um, and so we prayed and fasted and uh, they got this piece of land and they started to build their house. Um, and I was really thrilled for them. Like, this is great. Like, God is breaking through in this land. Like, God's will is being done. This is amazing. Um, and just a few months later, um, they were forced off the land. Um, because of their faith, um, they were asked to leave that, that particular part of the country. Um, and they thought they were going to be asked to leave the country completely. Um, but they, they re sort of tactically retreated to the capital. Um, and this, and this was really disappointing for them. And I was, I was really disappointed on their behalf because I, re I really felt 
like we like we'd prayed and we'd won, like we'd taken the victory, we'd we'd taken the land for the Lord. Like what what was God doing, allowing Himself to be to be overcome by this? I I, I really couldn't understand it. And I called on my friends that we who I frequently pray with for these guys, and I was like, Are you not really angry? I'm so angry about this. Like I'm so angry with God. Like this is such a disappointment. And she's like, I'm very surprised you feel like that. I was like, I'm surprised you don't feel like that. It's really an it's really upsetting. And she's like, no, I'm sure God is in control. And I was like, well, I cannot see how. I really, I, 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 I. And I was really disappointed. I was really upset by this. Um, another situation that um, has really, I felt really disappointed uh, in. Um, a couple of years ago, I was at a, a conference and uh, <laughs> um, I responded to an invitation to pray um, for people who were struggling to conceive. I have to this add, this was not on my own behalf. Um, this was on the behalf of uh, some friends um, who are really struggling to have a baby. Um, <laughs> I'm quite surprised, actually, that I'm, that I'm not haven't had five children already the number of people who just come up to you when you get to, when you've been married for a certain amount of time you're a certain age people just old, like tends to be slightly older women they sidle up to you and like we're really praying for you i'm praying for you i'm quite surprised that i'm haven't had many children already but i so i responded um to this this invitation to pray for, on behalf of my friends and and the preacher was really adamant he was really like he was i've prayed this prayer in 3000 countries and every single time it has a 100% success rate so uh, your your friends or you will conceive within the next 3 seconds yeah. and and i was like oh great like this sounds amazing um so i stood up and i and i responded to this prayer for my friends um, and and she, she became pregnant and I was like, yes, Lord, this is amazing. Um, and then she had a miscarriage. And, and I know that miscarriage is, is common. Um, I know it happens to a lot of women. Um, I think because I'm, I was very close to her, um, her family live a long way um, up in the north. And, and I, was, uh, I was very close to her and she was messaging me kind of as it was happening. And, and I was praying for her and, and then she told me she'd lost the baby. And like, it was really, really upsetting. Like, I, I, I wept for her and I was, I was so disappointed. I felt, I felt really let down and I felt really, really disappointed uh, in the Lord. Um, so, so what do we say to this? What do we say to this? What, what comfort can we find in life's disappointments? Um, how do we respond when we feel disappointed or let down by God? The Bible is full of examples of people who were disappointed. There are no easy answers, but there is, there is comfort in knowing that we're not alone in this. Um, so thinking about, thinking about women and uh, women who struggle to conceive and thinking about my friends, um, I'm going to look at three examples of women in the Bible who weren't able to have children. Uh, I'm going to set out their th common responses, responses that we uh, will recognize and responses that you might have experienced yourself. Um, and then we're going to look at some practical points uh, for overcoming these. Um, and then finally, we're going to, we're going to pray for each other. Um, we're going to commit our disappointments to God. Uh, we're going to encourage and comfort one another. Uh, and we're going to stand together as the body of Christ. So here we go. Um, let's start by looking at Sarah and Abraham. Uh, 
Um, I can't see a clock, by the way, so I'm just going to keep going until I get to the end. Um, it looks like I've got a lot of notes, but it's just because I've printed it really big so that I can read it really easily. So don't, don't panic. Don't, we'll get to the end eventually. Um, let's start by looking at Sarah. Uh, Genesis 16 uh, tells Sarah's story. Um, she was Abraham's wife, um, but she wasn't able to have a child. Um, and so at that time, uh, not having a child was a, a big deal. Um, it was a big disgrace. And she encouraged Abraham to have children with her servant, Hagar. She says, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And uh, good old Abraham, you know, being a dutiful husband, you know, happy wife, happy life, all of that. Um, off he went and got Sarah's servant pregnant. Oh, but, uh, you know, as you might have predicted, this didn't go very well. Um, when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress with contempt. Hmm. And uh, then good old Sarah, poor Sarah, I can see why she said this. She turns on her poor husband and said, this is all your fault. Oh, uh, yes, I can see. Yes, lovely. Happy families all round, I'm sure. Um, so... Sarah treated Hagar really harshly, and Hagar ran away. Um, but the Lord heard Hagar crying and blessed her, told her to return, and he promised Abraham a son through his wife, Sarah. Uh, and a few verses later, um, some angels uh, on their way through, on their way to visit Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, Abraham takes them in and gives them hospitality. And one of them says... Uh, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my husband is also so old? So here's the first response to disappointments. Sarah was disappointed that she couldn't have a child. She took matters into her own hands. And when God promised her a child, she laughed. She laughed because she didn't believe that it was possible for God to keep that promise. Our first response is disbelief. And this is often how we respond when God doesn't meet our earthly expectations. If God doesn't behave how we expect him to, then we suddenly start questioning, is God really real? Does he really exist? Does he really love us? Does, is he who he says he is? Sarah didn't believe God's promise because her earthly expectations of having a child at a, a normal childbearing age hadn't been met. What do you expect from God? Do we have narrow expectations that we will have children at a normal age, that we'll have easy breakthroughs, that we'll have blessing in our careers? Expectations can be, can be a good thing. It's good to be expectant and to be hopeful and to wait on the Lord in, with hopeful expectation. Um, but they can be really problematic if we misplace our expectations, if we expect God to make us happy or we expect God to bless us or we expect God to move in certain ways. 
Um, I had a really, really, really close friend um, who uh, I, I just adored. He was my youth leader, um, and he was just the most amazing man. I, I absolutely uh, adored him, and um, he phoned me up a few days before I got married, and he was like, I don't think I can come to your wedding. I'm, I'm really sick. And I started crying. I was like, you have to be there. It just won't be the same without you. And he's like, okay, I'm in the car. I'm driving. I'll, I'll be there. Um, and when he got there, I realized he, wa he was really sick. Like, he was really, really ill. He was in so much pain. Um, and, and during, he wasn't a Christian. Um, during the worship at our wedding, he, he stood up. And his pain was completely gone. And he was completely healed. And I, and I, cried and I felt God say this is my wedding present to you this is my wedding present to you the healing of your of this man um, he was later diagnosed with leukemia and he passed away a year and a half later and and I I did not understand because God said this is my wedding present to you and I expected I expected that he would go on to be fully healed, to live a long and happy life. That was my, my earthly expectation. And uh, on my way down on the train um, to, his, to his funeral, uh, I said, God, I don't understand. And God said, trust me, I'm a good God and I give good gifts. And he became a Christian and you will see him in heaven. And he has eternal life and he has full healing. And I, I ha have no earthly way of proving that. I didn't speak to him before, before he died. I, I know that what happened to him at our wedding really planted a seed, but I, I have no idea. I can only hope, I can only have faith, and I can only trust that in that disappointment, like God was really working and that God is a good, good God who gives good gifts. So... Sometimes God doesn't meet our expectations, and that causes us to, to have disbelief. And when we have disbelief, we start to take back control, don't we? Sarah decided that God had not shown up for her. She did not have a child. He had not shown up in the way that she wanted, so she took matters into her own hands, and that caused a whole load of family problems and, and issues. Um, it's really easy to do, isn't it? It's really easy to take matters into our own hands. Uh, I was working for the church um, for a year uh, just after I became a Christian, and um, I was asked to organize an outreach event. Um, so I, like, I organized something pretty lame, like it wasn't very good, and no one showed up. So I was like, right, next time I'm going to do this again, and I'm going to do this really, really well this time. And I organized something with loads of drinks and music and food. Do you want to guess how many people showed up? None. So <laughs> it's really easy to think that we can do it by ourselves, isn't it? It's really easy to think that we can make, do a really, really good job and we can do it by ourselves. But that's just a symptom of our disbelief. It's a symptom that we no longer trust God to be who he says he is. It's a symptom trying to take back control. So that's the first response that we can have when we're disappointed in God's uh, here we go. Let's look at another woman in the Bible who was disappointed in God. Um, Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is where we find her story. Um, she was married to a man called Elkanah. 
these are very tricky names. If Tim was here, I would be fine because we could just laugh at him, but please don't laugh at me if I get them wrong. Um, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Um, and Elkanah was a man who loved God. And uh, every year he took uh, his whole family to the tabernacle to worship God and to make the, the sacrifice. Um, and it, we read on the days when Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Does that sound a bit like Sarah and Hagar? Hmm, another unhappy family. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. That sounds like a really fun, happy family party, doesn't it? And then good old Elkanah, he doesn't really have much advice for his poor wife, why are you crying? He would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me? Isn't that better than having ten sons? Well, I'm sure some of the lovely women in this church would argue that having their husband is a, the same as having a son. Just another man around the house to pick up after. But um, I'm not sure that that was much comfort to Hannah. Um, so she would be reduced to tears and overwhelmed by her emotions. So this is our second response to disappointments. When we're disappointed in the Lord, we can be overwhelmed by despair. Uh, in verse 10 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. She is overcome by these deep emotions, almost paralyzed. She has no response to Penina, can't answer her husband. She can't join in with the sacrifice. She can't even eat. She can't participate. And we can feel the same, can't we? We feel like we can't participate in worship. We feel distance from the people around us. Uh, we can be overwhelmed by those deep emotions and not know how to respond or what to do. Um, I found it really difficult to, to engage in worship, to sing about God's faithfulness. Um, after, um, in our first year of marriage, um, I left my job uh, because it was an awful, awful job and I was thoroughly miserable. Um, and then two weeks, and I was like, it's fine because my husband has a job, it's fine. Two weeks later, he got made redundant. Um, and we were six months married and, and I found it really hard to stand in church and say, yes, God, you are faithful, you are good. When we were six months married, we had no money. I, I, how, how can I sing of God's faithfulness? It was, it was overwhelming, the, the feeling of just not knowing what to do, not knowing where to turn, not knowing how to respond to this. Uh, and similarly, um, well, we looked after a little boy um, uh, about a year, a couple of years ago now. We looked after a little boy for about five weeks. I'm a foster carer. Um, and he literally threw things at us every day and tried to hit us every day and tried to swear at us and spit on us and break our stuff every day. And uh, we went to church and uh, one of the songs was, I am a friend of God. I was like, I am no friend of God right now, but this is not how friends treat each other. 
you're not my friend, Lord. Um, so, so we can be really overwhelmed by these, these emotions, can't we? It's, it's, we can feel paralyzed, we can feel despairing. Um, like, God doesn't make light of these emotions. Like, we can, we can be comforted by, by knowing that Jesus suffered with us. Uh, he called out at the end, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, Jesus himself felt this despair, this anguish, this, this hurt. So we know that God knows what it is to suffer and to feel let down and to feel despair. So those are our, that's our second response to disappointment. We can feel disbelieving. We can feel despairing. Let's look at another lady in the Bible who wasn't able to have children. Uh, Elizabeth. And she was married to Zechariah. And her story is told in Luke chapter 1. There isn't very much that's said about her. Um, this, is, this is really all all that said really Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old so we don't see them taking matters into their own hands like Sarah uh, we don't see them praying and despairing and anguish we don't see that. Um, they, seem, they seem quite content. They're righteous. They're careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments. But when uh, Elizabeth realizes that she's pregnant, her exclamation reveals the, the heartache and the disappointment that she has been feeling and that she's been carrying. She says, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So she's born quietly this, this feeling of, of shame and disgrace, and she's born that for a long time. So our third response is to just feel a bit despondent. I can imagine that Zechariah and Elizabeth, I'm completely imagining what they must have felt because I, there are some clues, but there aren't that many clues. I'm imagining that they were righteous, dutiful. They didn't disbelieve God. They were believing. They weren't despairing. They were quiet. They weren't overwhelmed by strong emotions. But I imagine that they must have felt really sad. They must have felt resigned to this disgrace and this shame of having no children. They must have carried this heavy burden without complaining, just feeling a bit despondent, sad. Uh, I uh, am the first person in my family to, to be a Christian. Um, and uh, after about two weeks of uh, absolute joy, I found God, I'm saved, this is amazing, and I became a Christian, it was wonderful. After about two weeks, it suddenly hit me that my mum, who is one of my best friends in the whole world, is not going to be there when I get to heaven. At the moment, as it stands, I'll get to heaven, I'll see Jesus face to face, and my mum won't be there. And at the time, I really felt, I was like, can heaven even be heaven if my mum isn't there? Like, what, what sort of heaven doesn't have my mum in it? Um, I had only been a Christian for two weeks, so, you know, I've, I've matured in my understanding of what heaven is like, but it's still, like, that's, a, that's hard. 
And so I, I prayed. I really earnestly prayed for my family. Uh, and for a year, I f- prayed and fasted once a week. And I, I poured out my heart to the Lord, and I cried, and I got on my knees. And at the end of a year, like, they're still not Christians now. Like, they're still not Christians. And, and I felt absolutely worn out by, by my emotions. And I was like, Lord, I can't, I can't spend the rest of my life crying over this. Like, I can't, I've, there are other things to do. I, 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 can't, I can't spend every day crying about this. So I don't. I don't cry for them every day. But I'm sad. I, when I think about them, when I think about them, I pray for them. And I, and I feel a bit despondent. I feel a bit down. It's, a bit, it's just a bit sad. And how many of us have said, I know God is there. I'm just not talking to him at the moment. I think that's a, that's a good symptom that we're just, we're feeling despondent, we're feeling down. I know God's there. I'm just not talking to him at the moment. And... Uh, when when my youth leader passed away, um, I remember Tim was preaching the next Sunday, and he was preaching on the verse about the disciples talking to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you also want to leave me like everyone else has left me? And the disciples say to him, where else would we go? You alone have the key to eternal life. And this can, this can sound really uplifting. Oh, yeah, we're going to follow Jesus. He's got the key to eternal life. But at that moment when I was mourning the loss of my friend, uh, and sometimes this is the cry of our hearts, isn't it? It's not, where else would we go? You have the key to eternal life. It's, where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to go? I'd walk away. That would be great. I'd love to walk away. But where else am I going to go? Jesus is the only one with the key to eternal life. So sometimes... We can feel worn out by disappointments, by the sadness and the burden. So those are my three women. Sarah ended up disbelieving. Hannah was a bit despairing. And Elizabeth was a bit despondent. But these stories have happy endings, don't they? God bless these women with children. So they, they lived happily ever after, right? Happy endings. Whoop, whoop. Um, the reality is God didn't give them any of these women children purely so that they would be happy. Let's think about uh, Sarah. She had Isaac, who was one of the great patriarchs, the um, men who started the line of the, the Israelites, God's chosen people, uh, and Samuel. Um, Hannah gave birth to Samuel, and he went on to be an amazing, amazing servant of the Lord, and, and she dedicated him back to God. Uh, and Elizabeth gave birth to John, who, who paved the way for, for Jesus, the, the Messiah. Um, God used all of these men in mighty, mighty ways. And his purpose extended far beyond simple happiness. God isn't a God of sentimental happy endings. Now, we will. There is a happy ending. We will live happily ever after with him in heaven. But that doesn't, that's not necessarily why he gave all these women children on earth. 
um, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about our happiness, does it? Like God delights in, in our joy. Uh, God placed the stars in the sky for no other reason than to delight in them. And we know that God doesn't make light of our suffering either. He weeps with those who weep and mourns with those who mourn. So it's not that God is not interested in our happiness. It's that his plan goes far beyond simply making us happy. God's purpose for you is to know him more and have a deeper and more satisfying understanding of him day by day. He plans for your life to bring him glory. And he understands that it's not good for us to be idle whilst we're doing this. We can't just sit still and know him better day by day. We can't just sit still and give him glory. Um, he understands it's not good for us to be idle, so he graciously invites us to participate in the work of growing his kingdom. So in our disappointments, we can start to, to overcome and to understand that we have a deeper purpose and God, God has a plan that is, that is beyond what we understand. Um, and I was praying this morning, and uh, I felt that someone needs to know, either for themselves or on behalf of someone, um, that if you're, if you're struggling to conceive or you know someone who's struggling to conceive, like these women, um, you are not a victim. You're not an object to be pitied in God's eyes. You're not a victim or an object of pity. There's nothing wrong with you. You are whole and perfect and ready for the incredible adventures and blessing that God has in store for you. And it won't be what you expected. But this is what God is saying to us this morning. No one is disqualified from serving him. And so this really is what God is saying this morning, that uh, we might feel disappointed, but in all things serve him. In all things, serve him. Do you have children? Serve him. Do you not have children? Serve him. Are you old? Serve him. You are not disqualified. Are you young? Serve him. You are not disqualified. Do you, are you paid for the work that you do? Use your work to serve him. Is your work unpaid? Use your work to serve him. Is your body strong and fully functioning and healthy? Then you can serve him. Are you feeling weak, in pain? Is your body broken? You can serve him. In all things, serve him. This is the word that the Lord is bringing us this morning. In all things, serve him. Whoever you are, you are not disqualified. Whatever your disappointments, you're not disqualified. In all things, serve him. And if you're not sure how to serve him, is he telling you to do something? So do it. Can you see a need in your community? Meet it. And here are three ways that we can serve through our disappointments. The first one is to actively trust him. We can serve God by actively putting our trust in him. When we are disappointed and we feel disbelieving and we have disbelief, we take back control because God has not met our earthly expectations. We take back control because we no longer trust him. We can no longer see him as trustworthy or sovereign or in control. 
So here's my advice. Go back and remind yourself of a time when you weren't in control and when you were forced to rely on God. Did he come through for you then? Was he trustworthy then? He's still the same, trustworthy God. He's never changing, he's steadfast, and he's faithful to his promises. The, the, the part that I'm standing on, the thing that I'm standing on that I go back to, um, is another couple who was really struggling to conceive. Um, and they, they were pregnant, and uh, they were delighted. Um, and then they, they lost their baby. Uh, and it was horrible. It was a really, really awful, horrible stillbirth. It was really sad. Um, and uh, I, I looked over in church at them one morning, and they were both on their knees weeping. Um, and I felt God say, trust me, trust me, they will be parents. And they now have a beautiful, uh, I think she, now she's five, they have a beautiful little five-year-old. And uh, and I trust God because I look at that and I think there was a time when God said, trust me, this will happen, and it's happened. So in the moment where I'm wondering, what do I go back to? What do I stand on? What do I put my feet on? When was God trustworthy? When did he come through for me? That's the one that I'm standing on. And if you feel like uh, there isn't a time for you, maybe you're new in your faith or maybe you're uh, a bit despondent, <laughs> Maybe you're a bit uh, feeling down and you can't remember a time when God came through for you. Um, you've got two options. You can go back to the cross because that was a time when God was trustworthy. He said that he would save his people and he saved his people through Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice. So if, if you have nothing else to put your feet on, put your feet on the cross. Um, but really practically, there are so many books out there of so many amazing testimonies of God's amazing graciousness, his amazing trustworthiness, his amazing sovereignty. Um, I can recommend uh, the Jackie Pullinger's book. I can't remember what it's called, but she's amazing. Um, I can recommend Corrie Ten Boom, The Hiding Place. That's amazing. Um, actively trust. Make a choice to go back and remember that God is good, God is in control, and we can trust him. The second one, actively hope. When we're overwhelmed by emotions, we can feel paralyzed, we can feel inert, we feel despairing. We can go round and round our situation. We can go round and round in circles looking for solutions and answers. We can get caught up in the what-ifs and the if-onlys. We can go round and round looking for someone to blame, looking for a moment to pinpoint. That was where it all went wrong. If only I could go back to that moment and change it. <sighs> we, can, we can really get ourselves into a despairing place. So turn your despair into active hope by turning your eyes back to Jesus. Uh, take your eyes off yourself Stop looking inwards to yourself and your problems and turn your eyes outward up to Jesus. Keep actively hoping. I always say to people who uh, are not Christians yet, um, Jesus is alive and so I expect him to act like he's alive. Like alive people do stuff. So I can have hope. I can hope in Jesus because he's alive and the people who are alive like, do stuff and they're there and they're active. Um, so we can adjust our expectations from our earthly expectations to faith-filled expectations. Not just 
wishful thinking, but we can have active hope, certainty that God is who he says he is. And uh, I, was talking, I was talking to a friend. Um, she's uh, a friend who, who is struggling to have a baby, and she would love, she would love to have a baby. And uh, I was talking to her the other day, and I was talking to her about this. I'm giving this talk at River Church, and, uh, and she said, I've never given up hope. I, I, will, I will never give up hope because God can do amazing things. And right up until the very moments that I die, I have hope that I'll have a baby. And when I die, I'll see Jesus face to face and it won't matter anymore, will it? So I have hope. And I, I was really humbled by, by her faith-filled certainty that God is good and that whatever happens, there's always hope. There's always, uh, there's always uh, faith-filled expectation and there's always, um, yeah, there's always the possibility that he'll break through in your life. And he will at some point, but not, maybe not in the way that we expect. But we can have active hope, turning our eyes from ourselves and up to Jesus. And finally, we can actively rejoice. It's hard. It's hard to rejoice, isn't it, with a heavy heart. It's hard to count your blessings. And it's really easy to fall into a service that's, that's dutiful. Um, there are a, a couple of teachers at the school where I used to work, the head teacher and the deputy head teacher, and both of them are Christians, and both of them um, had husbands who would call themselves Christians, and, uh, and both of them, um, within a year of each other, had realized that their husbands weren't Christians. Their husbands turned up every week and played in the worship bands, and set up the worship stuff and, and then walked out again, packed up and walked out again and, and they never uh, engaged and, and they realized that their husbands had, had fallen into uh, a pattern of dutiful service. And it was really hard, it was really difficult for them to, to deal with the fallout from that. Um, but it's, it can be easy for that to happen, can't it? It's, it's, when, you're, when you have a heavy heart and you turn up dutifully you, makes, you can fall into weary, dutiful service. But it's not about being happy, is it? Because happiness is dependent on our circumstances. I mean, it's not about turning up and being really happy to do the kids' work every week or really happy to serve the teas and coffees every week. It's about being joyful, isn't it? It's about being joyful because joy is not the same as being happy. Happiness is fleeting, based on how much sleep you got last night, based on what day of the week it is. But joy is deep and lasting and goes beyond our circumstances. And, and to joy, a joy and rejoice, rejoice is a, the active verb and joy is what God gives us. And rejoicing is a command. We can command ourselves to do this. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's a command. So we can command ourselves to do this. We can command each other to do this. We can actively rejoice. We can actively cast off that despondency. We can actively cast off that dutiful service that makes us feel weary. We can actively cast that off and say, it's not about whether I feel happy to do this. We can say, it's about, am I rejoicing? Am I serving God? Am I worshipping? 
Am I singing? Am I giving him thanks? Am I making a choice to do that, an active choice to do that and to rejoice? Command your spirit to rejoice. So there we go. We've got uh, disbelief, uh, despair and despondency, and we've got active trust, active hope, and active rejoicing. But through all of these things, through all of these things, in all of these disappointments, in all of these things, are we serving him? And I really feel that that is the main point that God wants to get across to us this morning. In all things, serve him. So we're going to pray for each other. I really want to pray for you. I was going to say, get into small groups and pray for each other, but I really want to pray for you because I love praying for you. And uh, Angela is also, uh, Angela brought me here this morning. I was going to say I brought Angela, but she brought me. And she also really wants to pray for you. So we want to pray. We want to commit our disappointments to the Lord. We want to share our disappointments with each other. We want to encourage and comfort one another. We want to stand together as the body of Christ.